Okay, this class is on Parshat Kiteitze. It's a Parsha that comes up this week. We're starting it from Sunday to learn this Parsha. We'll read it on Shabbat in Shul. We'll first learn the first quote, the source number one, and then we'll start to discuss the topic. Uh, the Jewish woman and the Rebbe's teacher. Oh, one second. The class is in memory of Yechezkel ben Shmuel. And may the Shom Go ahead. When a man takes a new wife, he shall not join the army in battle, nor shall he be subjected, subjected to anything associated with it. He shall remain free for his home for one year and delight his wife whom he has taken. A man who is getting married the first year, he has to be dedicated to his wife. It means to say he doesn't go out of town by himself, he doesn't, in the Torah says he shouldn't go to the army. The first year, he has to spend with his wife. We are talking, obviously, not in the case when people live together for three years before. Then they are getting married, actually, three years before. Then they, when they are married, they don't have to any... It's already not a new thing, but in the, in the way that Judaism says that a couple gets married and they live together, they have to get used to, to, to each other, and, and his wife is, is his main priority, his number one priority. And that's to teach the man, the husband, that his wife is number one priority forever. <laughs> takes a Aren't year. Aren't you so glad you came today? <laughs> <laughs> it only takes a year to learn that. <laughs> <laughs> takes a lifetime. We give you a year. <laughs> oh, that, that is hard learning right there. <laughs> You're going to be sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they will, nobody will come next week. <laughs> Next week is not about women, I promise you. <laughs> then really, in the Rebbe's eyes, the Rebbe, the Rebbe made women a priority. In 1950, when he accepted his leadership, see, in Judaism, over the generations, even that in the Bible you see how much women are leaders and did always the right choice, but... Throughout the history, it was because the society was like this, that men were more going to get education, women didn't get an education, that it affected the Jewish life too. And in 1950, the Rebbe made it a priority to bring up the women and make them equal partners in Judaism. Not only equal partners, number ones. Because the future of the Jewish people is in the end of the woman. Then whenever the woman doesn't like or doesn't want or not educated about Judaism, the whole house goes the wrong direction. And nobody is, the kids get it from the mother. And if you look at the older generation, our parents, usually the husband was more traditional, the wife was less traditional, she resented it, and therefore the kids went away from traditions. Our generation, the woman is the one who wants more Judaism than the husband, and therefore the kids are coming to Judaism. As I mentioned many times, most of our congregation, the women came first. Right? <laughs> it was you're almost. You're in trouble down here. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> you should have burned them yesterday. This Fix up that garage. <laughs> then, and, uh, and, because, and the Rebbe saw it when he became leader, when he, start, when he took over the leadership of Chabad, 
he used to give, he, since then, he gave lectures to women. Unheard of, at least I don't know in history, of rabbis who gave lectures to women only, great rabbis. You never heard of Moses making a congregation, meeting, calling all the women together and giving them a lecture. Maybe he did, it's not written. The same thing not about Rabbi Akiva, and not about Hillel, and not about Maimonides. The Rebbe made it like three or four times a year. The great synagogue in 770 used to be cleaned up for men. Well, only for women, if men wanted to hear the lecture, they had to stand outside and hear about from a microphone, from a speaker. Not only this, the Rebbe empowered, in 1952, he made a, a Chabad woman organization, when it was very few Jewish organizations for women. And the Rebbe knew that through the women, we can turn around the world. The women have so much power, much more than the men. And the whole house is dependent on them. And throughout the years, he gave unbelievable attention to the women. And I can tell you also from, a, from as Chabad rabbis, I started to send out Chabad rabbis. In Chabad, the woman is not the wife of the rabbi. She is a rabbi in her own, own right. Miriam, you know, you know, thank God that in Chabad, in Orthodox, the man is the rabbi. If not, I would have to look for a job. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have anything to do. I would, that, at least there is certain things building, then I have to be the rabbi. I'm going to say Kiddush, I have to say Kaddish. If not, nothing would happen. If not, I wouldn't have a job altogether. What, what triggered the Rebbe to sort of break from tradition and do this? Because this is the original tradition from biblical time. It, was, it faded away because of Jews were in exile and Soros and everything, and society was like this. Mm-hmm. After all, Judaism is a reflection, the Jewish community is a reflection of the society. You see, in the Sephardic communities, the shuls are built like the mosques. In the Ashkenazi communities, in Europe, they are built like, built like the, the churches. I mean, to say, the reality of life is, you know why Jews more go to synagogue in America? Because the non-Jews used to go to, more to church. In Europe, the less go to church, the less go to synagogue. <clears throat> now that there is less non-Jews go to church, less Jews go to synagogue. We are living in a society, it has an effect on us. Then the society didn't educate women, therefore it, it turned into the Jewish society. But daughters of great rabbis always got a very good education. There are stories about women of great rabbis, and even in the Talmud, in many places, not many, but quite a few had a very good education, knew a lot of Torah. But the masses were lost. And the Rebbe, the Rebbe saw the world, and he saw which directions we have to take it. Then this, but the Rebbe said, men and women are equal, but they are different. Everyone has his own mission in the, in, the, in the Jewish home, in the world, in life. We are different biologically, we are different emotionally, intellectually, even we have a different mission. That's what we're going to read about. There are two roles. Go ahead. The general difference between the divine service of Torah study and the divine service of know God in all your ways parallels the difference between men and women. There is learning Torah, and there is the divine service of know God in all your ways. What does this mean? When you're in the synagogue, you're serving God. That's easy. You came here to pray. Very simple. Sure you're serving God. But in Judaism, serving God is not just in the synagogue. In Judaism, serving God is every minute of your life. What does this mean? When a woman is preparing 
dinner for the family. If she's doing it in mind, she's doing it because she wants to raise a Jewish family, and she wants to, let's say, a Friday night dinner with a mitzvah, then dinner becomes a service of God. When you give birth to a baby and you change diapers, changing diapers becomes a service of God because raising a Jewish kid. To be a, to, it should be another good person in the world, another good Jew in the world. And it's all about our in, intention. The kavana, the kavana. That's what it's all about. When you go to work, you're running around making a living, killing yourself. It can be two people. One person says, I want more money. The other person is said, I need to raise a Jewish family. It costs a lot of money. Boy, I cannot do it by myself. Jewish education, Jewish day camps, synagogues, everything, kosher food, everything costs more. And if you walk out because you want to raise a Jewish family, that every minute of your job is a service of God. It's all about what you have in mind. You see, when you do a mitzvah, when you light candles, even if you don't have God in mind, the mitzvah is a mitzvah. When I put on film, it's good to have God in mind. You should have. But no matter what happens, because you do it, the action speaks for itself. Even if I didn't think about God, that's a mitzvah. I connect. When I do mundane things, here it's where kavana, where the intention is so crucial. It makes a difference. People are very quick to have the right intention when they do a mitzvah. They don't realize that the intention plays a bigger role when you do a mundane thing, not when you do a mitzvah. When you do a mitzvah, even when it's without the kavana, without the intention, you still do the mitzvah, you still connect to God. When you, when you eat matzah and Pesach on the first night, you fulfill the mitzvah. If you had the intention, you didn't have the intention, you, fulfill, you connected to God. But when you eat potatoes, if you didn't have an intention to think about God, to do it for the right reason, then you didn't connect. Then two people sit by a meal. One person is eating the meal because he wants to have the strength to do something good. The other person eats the meal because it's very good, because he likes the food. This person is serving God, Mr. A is serving God, Mr. B is serving his own stomach. Then everything, that means you should know God in all your ways. Not just in God's ways, in your ways. Okay. <coughs> the obligation of Torah study is incumbent specifically on men, but the obligation of know God in all your ways relates to both men and women. Oh. Now, learning Torah, the obligation to learn Torah, it's, women should learn Torah. The Rebbe encouraged women to learn Torah, to learn Talmud, because he said they're going to learn secular education. If you don't fill up the head with Torah, they will only know what they learned in, in college. They will not know what Judaism thinks about that. Then the only thing they know is the wrong, the wrong information, not the right information. They need to have the information from the right sources. But the obligation to learn Torah every minute, men have. Women do not have it. If they want to learn Torah every minute, God bless them. I feel bad for the husband that his wife is learning Torah every minute. He will have nothing to eat. <laughs> and the house will be, who knows how it looks like. Because he's good for nothing. And <laughs> then, then, but she has no obligation to learn Torah every minute. Why? Okay, in fact. In fact, the latter obligation is even more relevant to women. The, the obligation to know in all your ways is more relevant for women. Why? Go ahead. The verse about the creation of the first woman says, I will make a helper for him. The sages illustrate the woman's role. The man brings home wheat from the field, but the, does he eat wheat? The woman illuminates the man's eyes and puts him on his feet. 
This demonstrates that the work of no God in all your ways, engagement with the material world, is relevant primarily to women, even more so than to men. It means to say, who is more realistic usually in a, in a couple? Who is more down to earth? He has an idea. It's not going to work. <laughs> it's just not going to work. Your kids will not cooperate. You, were you dreaming? Usually the woman is much more down to earth. She's the connection of the husband to the world. As it is so too. Go ahead. Rabbi Yose encountered Elijah the prophet and asked of him. Elijah the prophet became, after he went up in fire to heaven, he became an angel. And he reveals himself to, to, he revealed himself to great rabbis. That was the story, that is a Mudic story. The rabbi lived a thousand years after Elijah. Okay, go ahead. He, he encountered Elijah, obviously in some way of, some form of connection. The verse says, I shall make him a helpmate. In what manner does a woman help a man? He asked, he asked Elijah, in which woman the woman, uh, I don't know why Rabbi Yossi had this question, but uh, in which woman the woman is, is helping the man? Elijah responded, a man brings home wheat from the field, but does he eat wheat? When he brings home flax, does he wear flax? It is his wife that grinds the wheat and processes the flax. Is it not his wife who illuminates his eyes and puts him on his feet? A man brings money home. But money, there is nothing to it by your table. Let's say he brings as much. Who makes, who makes the food? Who, who creates the home? You know, a, a, a man who is renting an apartment, renting a house, he lives in a house. Who makes from the house a home? And he brings a wife down. And it becomes a home. It's clean. It's decorated. It's light in the right place and closed in the wrong in the, in the It becomes a home. Who picks, puts them on his feet? Who makes from the, from what he says, he brings from the, from the wheat mixed bread? The woman is doing it. And she is his opposite. She is his helper. He's doing his part. Together, we create a, a home. A man and a woman together create a home. It's not, they don't have to do the same roles. She has his roles, he has his roles. Together, they make it into a functional place. If they both do, they have the same roles and both don't like to do the same thing. Let's say both, both of them don't like to wash dishes. It'd be bad news. Or both of them like only to cook but don't like to wash dishes. They have to hire somebody to wash. Hmm. I mean, it's good when everyone as it contributes his parts to the, to the marriage. To get, it doesn't make a difference what they do. But they don't do the same thing. Then they can together make a normal law. Okay, uh, Phil, you want to continue? <coughs> Theory and practice. In other words, the role of the man is Torah, which means instruction, but its application, including educating the children, especially when they are very young, as well as the conduct of the home in general, such as in the areas of kosher food, family purity, and all the foundational elements of Jewish home, is implemented by the woman, the mainstay of the home. Anything that's connected to the Jewish home, the home is the domain of the, of the, of the mother, of the woman of the, of the house. He goes to work, he makes the decisions, who is going to be the president, and so on. The big decisions. The small decisions, who is going to be, who is, who, uh, how the home is going to look like, it's up to the woman. The kitchen is up to the woman. Even if the man helps to cook, and today, in today's world, many men cook, and many women don't cook. Actually, in our preschool, if you take a survey, probably 80% of the women don't know how to cook, and the men cook for them. It's really... Uh, and even more, I'm telling you. <laughs> then, uh, then, 
Then the, but in general, no matter what it is, the woman decides who decides which evil school going, the kids are going to go, which school the kids are going to go. It's all about the woman. The all house is dependent on the woman. Then the husband, his job is to set the direction, the role, to teach the Torah, but the woman is the one who will implement it in the house. Continue, next page, on page six. The Rabbi, which is more, which is more important? As discussed earlier, action is of paramount importance. Proper action is greater than Torah study. This is illustrated by the Talmud in... Now, there is an old discussion, what's more important, to learn Torah or to do mitzvahs, or action? Studying or action, what's more important? That's the question. Go ahead. This is the, yep. illustrated. This is illustrated by the Talmud in Tractate Moed Katan. The Talmud states that even though all your desirable things cannot be compared to Torah, which means that even all the Torah's commandments can't be compared to a word of Torah study, nevertheless, when there is a mitzvah which can't be fulfilled by anyone else, Torah study is set aside in favor of the mitzvah. Not only is mitzvah observance not less than Torah study or equal to it, mitzvah observance even overrides Torah study. You see, there is a whole discussion. On one end, the Talmud says, you know, that studying Torah is more important than everything. Why? Because the Torah is the wisdom of God. Then you, when you learn Torah, I connect to God on such an intellectual, such a connection. We see a mitzvah, what's a mitzvah? Let's say I put it on film. I put it on my hand, then I take this off. The mitzvah is a separate thing for me. After the, the time that I was on, my, on me, I was united with, with God through that film. I take off that film, I'm not united. I light candles. The minute I light the candles, I'm united to God. I do a mitzvah with God. I do a mitzvah. A minute later, I'm disconnected. When I learn Torah, I walk away. It's in my mind. The Torah is compared to food, the mitzvahs to clothing. Food, I eat it, it becomes a part of me, right? I walk away, it's in me. I didn't leave the food somewhere. When I, le- when I learn, to, when I do mitzvahs, when I, when I, when I clothing, I, as long as I wear the clothing, I'm united the clothing. I mean, it's on me. I take this off, finished. Then learning Torah it has a, creates a level of unity with God that mitzvahs do not have. That's why the Talmud says, learning Torah is above all. Also, when you learn Torah, you learn to think like God. You understand? You, start, you know what happens when people learn Torah? They don't realize that even but they start to think differently. They think Jewish. Ever heard the word think Jewish? <laughs> you think Jewish, you start to think differently. You look at everything in your life, you say, what, what's going on? What is this craziness now? Every day there's another craziness in the world. <laughs> you, you start to think like God. God's mission becomes you. You identify with God's mission. It becomes your mission. It's not anymore. When you, see, when you only do mitzvahs, you, you kind of... I do it because God said so, but I don't, it doesn't make sense. I don't know why, but I just do it because he told me. When you learn Torah, it becomes your thing. You take ownership. You understand why. You start to, even the mitzvahs that you don't understand why, you start to think like God. It becomes your way of, of, of life. Then learning Torah is very important. But, the Talmud says, when it comes to a mitzvah that nobody else can do it, it overrides learning Torah. It's more important than learning Torah. Because ultimately, action, this world is a world of action. And in a world of action, we count what you do. Not only what you were thinking, what you were wanting, what you're learning, what you do. 
And that's the discussion. What's more important, Torah or mitzvot? It's an old discussion, and the Talmud speaks about that. Um, you want to read? Go ahead, I'm sorry. I'm kind of confused. So the mitzvah... It's confusing. ...is more important than the Torah study. It's the mitzvahs that propels the Jewish identity. Keep yes. So even without the Torah, because there was a period of time when we weren't able to read the Torah, and yet people were still following and doing Yeah, they, they do. Uh, you're talking about during the time of the Greeks, that was a period the Jewish people do not allowed... They were not allowed them to learn to read the Torah in the synagogue, but they were reading the prophets. They're reading the Torah. The whole Torah thing right, came, right. and they were reading the Talmud. It's not that they didn't learn Torah altogether. They were not allowed to read in public the five books of Moses, but they were always learning Torah. See, if you don't learn, you don't know what to do. That's a problem. You don't know how to do it. Over the years, communities where the, the learning of the Torah was very weak. They, they forgot how to do, they went down in the level of their commitment to Judaism, in the level of observance. When people don't know, they make mistakes. And then when you saw my, I see my father making a mistake, I think this is the way to do it. I make another mistake. Mm. And before long, there were quite a few communities. They did not have schools and rabbis of learning Torah. And the level of observance was very low, not because they didn't want to, because they, they, they didn't know. The learning Torah is the foundation of being a good Jew. A big, know how to do it. If, if I don't learn, I don't know. But the question is, when I can learn and I can do, what's more important? The learning Torah is very important until it comes to a mitzvah that nobody else can do it. If it's a mitzvah that nobody else can do it, you stop learning Torah and you go to do the mitzvah. That's, and it's a very, it's an old discussion and it says relevance to today's life even in the you know, Chabad, the Rebbe started with all the outreach movement to go out and to teach children alphabet. And many people from the other religious communities said, we have to learn Torah. Talmud Torah can negate kulam. We have to learn Torah. It's more important than everything. And the Rebbe said, yeah, but it's a mitzvah that nobody else can do it. Means reaching out to other Jew is overwriting the learning Torah. And they didn't like the answer, but that's the truth. And you're talking about Jews or being lost, and you want to learn Torah. The Rabbi once spoke basically, there's one for bringing, he was, he was speaking, he was crying. Then he, he said, A Jew wants, he, I, I think he spoke about himself, a Jew wants to learn Torah. And God, so to speak, is knocking on the door and tells him, There is a, Jew, a Jewish boy, a Jewish child in another city who does not alphabet. Close your book and go there and teach him alphabet. Because this is a mitzvah that nobody else can do it. And people say, oh, the rabbi will do it. We need many rabbis. Every one of you is a rabbi. It means to say that outreach is a mitzvah that nobody else can do it. Therefore, it's overrides learning Torah. But this is uh, was a dilemma that's always a discussion in Judaism. So, for instance, we are expanding <coughs> Chabad's out into smaller communities that in itself becomes the mitzvah because bringing the education. Absolutely. They are, they are touching people that, that nobody else will teach, touch them. And by this, they are, and, and what, oh, you say, this, this young man can sit in the yeshiva and learn Torah another 20 years. He cannot afford it. We cannot afford to be so righteous because it's a mitzvah cannot be done by other people. It overrides learning Torah. It's greater than learning Torah. What means override? It's greater than learning Torah. That's what it is. That's what it's all about.
And that paragraph right before we put on the towels, you know, shop race, you know, all the different things, you know, world, sharing the world to come, and you know. It, yeah, and, and, and it, it said, Torah keneged kulam, learning Torah is greater than all. Greater than all. Beside a mitzvah that cannot be done <laughs> by, by others. <laughs> That's exactly what's, what's, well, what's missing. We learn in Tanya, too. It has something to do with tzedakah. Then tzedakah is supposed to be greater than... That's all about a mitzvah that nobody else can do it. Then when you see a mitzvah that nobody else can do it, oh, you can tell somebody else you do it. <laughs> but, but uh, I do many mitzvahs like this. If you didn't study the Torah, you wouldn't know the mitzvah existed. This is true. That's why everybody has to learn the basic level. You know, when you're 12 years old, you don't tell your, when your child is 15 years old, he wants to go out, reach it on. You learn in yeshiva. You'll know what to do. When you be an adult, then you know better what, how to do outreach. Then the, everyone has his time and his place. But in general, a mitzvah that cannot be done by others is greater, is greater and overrides the learning talk. Okay, you want to read? Source number three. You, the son of convert, means his father was a convert. They call him Yudah, the son of convert. Yeah, he was a great rabbi. Studied the portion dealing with the oaths in the study of the Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai. Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai said to his son, These two people are wise and learned individuals. Go to them and so that they will bless you. He told them about the two rabbis. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai told his son, Rabbi, Rabbi Lozo, I think was his name, uh, and he told them, go get a blessing for these two great rabbis. They're great rabbis. Learn, go learn Torah from them. Get, get a blessing from them. Go ahead. And they will bless you. He went and found them deep in discussion, raising apparent contradictions between verses. Among these apparent contradictions were the following. <laughs> In one place it is written the praise of Torah. She is more precious than rubies, and all of your desires are not to be compared to her. That's, there is a verse in Mishle. Mishle is Proverbs, right? Mm-hmm. Proverbs? What's Mishle? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, it says one. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even see it. Mm-hmm. The Torah is more precious than all other rubies. Perfect for you, Danny. Go ahead. The Torah is very, is very, is very precious. To my first one, too. <coughs> infer from here that the all human desires cannot be compared to the Torah, but the desire of heaven, i.e. mitzvot, can indeed be compared to her. Elsewhere is written, for the wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. Proverbs eight eleven which implies that even its both cannot be compared to the Torah. What he says is like this. One verse says that you, nothing, is impo- nothing of your business is important as the Torah. And the other one says, even the business of God are not as important as the Torah. Even mitzvahs is not as important as Torah. Then the question is, what is right? One verse says it this way. Both of them are in Proverbs. One says it this way. What is, what is the truth? They resolve the contradiction. Go ahead. Resolve the contradiction by interpreting the second verse to be the refrain to the mitzvah that can be done by others. In that case, even mitzvah cannot be compared to the Torah. And 
accordingly, one who is engaged in Torah study should not interrupt, interrupt his studies in order to perform other another mitzvot. Another mitzvah. The first verse, however, is referring to a mitzvah that cannot be done by others. In that case, Torah study is not more important than the mitzvah. He said, that's the answer that we spoke before. A mitzvah that if somebody else can do it, you should not interrupt your learning Torah. Learning Torah is more important, even more than mitzvahs. A mitzvah that nobody else can do it, you stop everything that you do. You know there is a law, a high priest on Yom Kippur is walking on the street. For whatever reason, why should he walk on the street in Jerusalem? I don't know, but let's say if he walk on the street. And he sees a person, a dead person, that there is nobody there to bury him. Now, a priest, a Kohen, can, is not allowed to go to a funeral, right? He's not allowed to enter a, to touch a dead body. But if he sees somebody that nobody else can take care of him, he has to stop whatever he's doing and to take care of the, of the dead body. He has to become impure. Even because of this, he will not be allowed to enter the Holy of Holies because he's impure now. And he has to atone for the whole Jewish people. He gives up on everything because this is a mitzvah that nobody else can do it. Overrides everything. In Jew, then that's what he says. If the mitzvah can be done by others, you can learn Torah. Yes. If your brother can do it, you need to build a sukkah. If there's nobody else to build a sukkah, you better build a sukkah. If there's somebody else who can build a sukkah, you don't have to build a sukkah. You can do, come and do a little bit and, uh, and help, help it. They were rabbis, that's, what the Talmud, that's based on that's what the Talmud says. They used to build a sukkah. They start from the learning to learn to build a sukkah. But if somebody else cannot do it, and that's the point, if somebody else cannot do it, you have to do it. Where the Rebbe is taking it? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. For example, establishing one's private home on the foundation of Torah and mitzvot is a mitzvah that can't be fulfilled by anyone else. No one else can build your home for you. They won't know what to do, what needs to be fixed, how to fix it, and how to build it. The only person that can build your home is you, and primarily the woman who is the mainstay of the home. Primarily the woman. This is a concept of mitzvah. Building a home, a Jewish home, can the woman only do it. Raising the Jewish children, the woman has a better success than the husband. Then that's a mitzvah that nobody else can do it. It's greater than learning Torah. It overrides learning Torah. Continue. Uh, why do women deserve more? Who oh, here comes something very important. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. <coughs> This is along the lines of what was explained elsewhere that the divine attribute of Malchut, sovereignty, is not a receptacle to the preceding seven attributes, but rather like a crown on their heads. This will be reflected in the messianic era when the woman will dominate the man. This is what the Arizal teaches that in the Masonic era, action will. It's, a, it's missing here. Yeah. <laughs> action will. Uh, action will overwrite. Um, um, is, uh, action is greater than, than, than learning. It's written when Moshiach will come, 
women will be higher than men. And because we are now already closer to Moshiach, that in the last 50, 70 years, we see the feminist movement is one of the signs of the coming of Moshiach. Everything that was in the beginning of the creation is happening now again. In the beginning of creation, Eve was higher than Adam. And therefore, now it's all coming back. And therefore, we see women are taking a stronger role in society. You see, I'll tell you something. In the story of Adam and Eve, right? Adam ate on the tree of, uh, for the tree of knowledge. Eve gave him, right? What happened there? God told Adam not to eat on the tree. Adam told Eve not to eat on the tree. Then the snake came and convinced, the, convinced the Eve to eat on the tree somehow. And she ate on the tree and she gave her husband too. She's not going to die by herself. If she's dying, he's dying too. <laughs> then God comes to Adam and he tells him, why ate on the tree? What is he answering? She may be doing <laughs> Tell me, tell me. Are you three years old? What is this? What kind of an answer is that? God is asking you why you... I told you not to eat on the tree. She told me. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? What kind of an answer is this? True. You look at them and say, are you? What are you? It is true. I know it's true, but are you three years old? What kind of an answer is this? I told you not to do it. She told me. I'll tell you what is behind it. Because women were the leaders, that was a good argument. I said, you made me to listen to her. Did I listen to her? What do you want from me? That was the only time God gave Adam an order. The second time God wanted to speak to men and women, he told Moses at Mount Sinai, speak to the women first. The first time it didn't work. He spoke to the men, the women didn't listen. This time speak to the women. If the women will agree, they will make the husband do exactly what they want. And since then, the women were on the right path because God spoke to the women first. It's written, Kotomar Lebet Yaakov, he tells Moses, speak to the house of Jacob. House of Jacob in the Torah is the women, the house, the home. Who is the home? The wife. And then you speak to the children of Israel. That's the men. Then, then uh, continue. Number four, the, the source. The source from... Yeah, just in this paragraph. A woman of valor is a crown to her husband. A crown to your husband, above him. <laughs> That's what a crown is. Continue. In the Messianic era, she is not a vessel for him, nor does she serve him, but rather she is a crown upon his head. <laughs> mm -hmm. Whoa. Now it's you too. <laughs> okay then. <laughs> <laughs> Honoring wives, it's you too. Right. Everything is from God, you know. Uh, <laughs> even the placement, even the placement around the well, table. I'm glad you bring such pleasure to my wife. <laughs> Honoring wives, all matters associated with the future redemption are realized through preparation during the time of the exile. Here too, we find the Talmud's greatest directive that a man must honor his wife. Beyond his there is two concepts here. Number one, everything that you, we said, Moshiach will come, will be this. It's all this to be prepared now. We are, we are preparing the world for the coming of Moshiach. <coughs> that if it's written when the Messiah will come, the men, the women will be the crown of the husband, they will be the leaders. It's starting before. See, when you see a trend in the world, 
It's wrong only to look at it as a bad thing. You have to look, what, what is the message here? What God wants from us? What, what, what is the good side of it? Then you can look at feminist movement and say, what a terrible thing. Or you can say, we see, we see the, the preparation of Moshiach, where women are higher than men, in a good way. And, and this is as to be, and what and what's the Jewish law says, that a man has to respect his wife, honor his wife beyond his means. Read, 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 continue, it's for you. <laughs> Source number five. Here, here. Rav Avira said, what is the meaning of the verse, good is the man who is gracious and lends, who orders his affairs with justice? It means to teach that a person should always eat and drink less than what is within his means, and he should dress and cover himself in accordance with his means, and he should honor his wife and children more than what is written within his means, more than what is within his means, even to the extent of taking out a loan for it. Oh, he says, eating, don't eat so much, it's not good. Eat less than your means, not you, every one of us. Um, to get rest according to your means. Clothing should be according to your means. Honoring your wife. What means honoring your wife? Buying clothing and jewelry for your wife above, the, above your means. More than your means. Even if you have to take out a loan. Why you have to honor your wife above, above the means? Usually Judaism says that a person should control his, his uh, expenses and should live by his means. He shouldn't live above his means because that's how you get in trouble. But it comes to honoring your wife Jewish law says in the Talmud, you have to honor your wife above your means. Why? Why? <laughs> Here is the answer. Okay, Sims, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you Paolo. I can read. <laughs> Reading and doing is, is, a, is a long way between. But you know it's a beginning. I have patience. This requires explanation. Why is it necessary to honor one's wife so much, even beyond his means? And the fact that Torah requires the degree of honor is proof that she certainly deserves it. Ah, if the Torah says you to do it, it should certainly deserves it. Go ahead. <laughs> Otherwise, the Torah would not obligate the husband to exert himself to such an extreme beyond his means. Certainly, <clears throat> she deserves this measure of honor, and since it is possible that her husband doesn't have the necessary means to provide it, he's required to obtain it through a loan or through some other way in order to honor her beyond his means as she deserves. Aha. Uh -huh. Yes. Well, yeah, then what, what's the reason? Huh? <laughs> Whatever it takes. The reason for this great honor... The reason for the great honor, here comes the explanation. ...is that this is the ultimate truth of the matter, as will be revealed in the Messianic era, when the women, woman will dominate the man. Dominate not in a bad way. Lead them. Because she has makes she is doing smarter decisions. Dominic doesn't mean controlling him and this, but showing him things that men are not capable to make the right choices, and women are wiser when it comes to these things. Uh, the woman will dominate the man, is in quotes. Is that it's, a, it's a verse, yeah, sure. On the cave of the save of Geva, yeah. In the Chumash, it's there. Not in the Chumash, no. It's uh, it's a quote from where it is. I don't remember. I can check later. I don't want to touch my. Right. This is reflected in our time as well, as explained above, that the conduct of the woman is largely de uh, of the home is largely determined by the woman, 
First of all, mainstay of the home in Judaism, the woman is called Akeret Abayit. Akeret Abayit means, you know, there is a frustrated housewife in, in, in America, that's a special television show, what it's called? <laughs> Desperate. Desperate housewife, thank you. In, 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 in Israel, it's translated Akarot Bayit. Akeret Bayit is a regular word, but it comes from the Bible. The ikar, the mainstay, the main part of the, the backbone of the house is the woman. That's how in Judaism the woman is described. Go ahead. The husband doesn't have the necessary abilities for this because this is, is how God wanted it to be. As a result, the wife received abilities beyond that which he possesses, and he in turn is required to honor her beyond his means. Because she has abilities that he doesn't have, Therefore, he needs to hire her above his means. She's higher than him. She's more important than him. It's not only she's more important than him. To, uh, to stress the idea how important the, mission, the, the job of the wife, that's why he needs to honor her more, more than his means. Because her, her mission is crucial to the survival of the, of, the, of the home, of the Jewish people. And that's why the Jewish homes... The Jewish families are the most important institution in Judaism. That's how we survived, throughout exile, throughout everything. The reason why Jewish people survived is because of the Jewish homes, the intact homes. We raised Jewish families. Who raised the Jewish families? Who were the main part of the Jewish family? The woman. During the time of Inquisition, <coughs> we spoke about that, I don't remember, a month ago or two months ago. I gave a whole speech about that, and I, and I read a lot about that. The women became the main part. They, they kept. Judaism surviving by the Moranos, conversos, when they, they're living in hiding. They were, they, there was no more shuls, it was homes. Who was in the home? Who made the home a home? It was the women. Because of the Jewish, the Jewish women, the Jewish people survived so many times. That's why he has to honor him more than his means. This is also... What occurred at the time of the giving of the Torah, when God gave strength to his people. The first step was, so shall you say to the house of Jacob, which refers to the women, because observance of the Torah depends on them. <coughs> yeah, no, you want to read number, uh, that's sure. what it is, source, source number six. six. I just mentioned before, but here it's written, yeah? So you shall say to the house of Jacob, these are the women. Why were the women first? Since they are keen with mitzvot, another explanation so that they should accustom their children to Torah. Then the Talmud says, why God said to Moses to speak to the women first? Because they are much quicker to accept mitzvahs, to do it. They're quicker, they're rushing to do it. The men quetch about it. And the second reason, because they can raise the kids to Torah, to love Judaism. They have an effect and an influence on the children much more than the men. Cannot even compare. Continue. Men listen to women. Man, listen to woman. Ay, 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 ay. That's the show. Ultimately. Big talker. Ultimately. Exactly. Ultimately. Huh? He went away. He ran away. It was too much for him. Maybe just passed out. This is especially true in the generation leading up to Mashiach, which is a reincarnation of the desert generation which received the Torah. A generation in which the men listened to their wives, as stated in the teachings, of the oh, that's something very important. We believe in reincarnation. That the souls are coming, people come, and the souls of the people come back. Every Jew today is a reincarnation. Nobody is a fresh soul that was never here before. 
Benetzritni de Arizal, he writes about uh, Gilgulim, reincarnations. He says that the generation before Moshiach are reincarnations of the generation from the desert where the Jewish people left Egypt. And the generation of the desert, the women made all the right choices and the, main ma the men made the wrong choices. And because they made the wrong choices, the women became the leaders. It's not, you lose, you know, think about a business. You run a business. Mr. A made the wrong choices and uh, made the wrong decisions once, twice. That from now on, he's making the choice decisions. You just, you showed the capability. You're not capable make, to make the right choice, the right decisions. During the time of the desert, <coughs> the, the women made the right choices. Tell me when were the women made the right choices and the men didn't. The Not once, more than once. Golden calf. Golden calf. What happened by the golden calf? Aaron told the Jews, go bring the jewelry from the wives. And we'll build a golden calf. We may do something with that. The women didn't want... He, Aaron counted that the women will not separate from the, from the, from the will, not give, will not give it, and will take time, Moses will show up. The women didn't give it. They said, Moses is going to come back. The men gave their own jewelry. That's why men should never have jewelry. They'll do with it golden calves. They made the wrong choices. When is the second time they made, the women made the right choices and the women made the wrong choice? Uh, 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 no. Desert? No, Esther. In the desert, huh? Esther. No, the Esther, Esther is too long. We're talking about oh, in the, the desert. desert. <laughs> During, During the spies? During the spies. The spies came back and said, the land, impossible to go there. It's such a strong, there are strong people there and strongly fortified cities, and we will not be able to conquer them. That's what the men said. The women said, we will go to the land of Israel. We believe in it. We believe, if Moses says in the name of God, we can conquer it, we will conquer it. The men died in the desert. The women, all of them entered the land of Israel. That's the second time they made the right choice. When is the third time they made the right and They were first to do a mitzvah. It was a big fundraiser, and the women came first. The building of the, of the temple, of the, sanct the portable sanctuary in the desert, the women rushed to give donations to the golden cave, the men were first. Hmm. To build a, a temple for God, the women were the first one to bring donations, to bring the donations. The men slept up behind them. <laughs> then when three times you make the wrong decisions, your wife tells you from now on what to do. <laughs> she became the leader. Now, because we are a reincarnation, of the generation of the desert. <coughs> I remember once spoke many years ago in a bar mitzvah, somebody was here, you know him very well, and, and a bar mitzvah, I was speaking about the concept that women will be, when Moshiach will come, will, women will be the leaders, and we, husband have to listen to him. And I said, in his house, Moshiach came already. <laughs> <laughs> Most of our answers. I know, you're telling me? <laughs> then that's what he's saying here. Go ahead. Verse seven. We, also... we, we, we didn't forget about you. You will have to read something. <laughs> I'll send you the booklet over there. One should also know that all the Torah scholars of this generation are identical to the people of the generation of the Exodus, about whom it is written, I will show him wondrous deeds as in the days when you sallied forth from the land of Egypt. As we've explained regarding the verse, behold, you are about to lie with your forefathers, and this nation will rise up. 
And this is the reason why their wives rule them. Because in, the, in their days, the mixed multitude made the golden calf and they didn't protest. The women, however, did not want to give their golden nose rings to that cause, and therefore, they now rule their husbands. It means to say the ruling of the husband, they, they earned it, they made the, right, they made the right choices. And because the men made the wrong choices, they make the wrong tools. You know, when you, you, you give direction, and you make one mistake, a second mistake, on the road. She takes the, the, the mouth in the old days, she doesn't, then, then if you don't know what you're doing, I'll have to do it, what should I do? <laughs> It means it happened because, not as a punishment, not as, a, not as God made a commandment, the reality created that the women made the right decisions. I have a quick question. Yeah? It says they're talking about their golden nose rings. Golden nose ring, yeah. That's what the women's jewelry was? Yeah, that was, it used to be on the noses, yes. Isn't it a piercing or not? And piercing on the ear is kosher? No. Yes. It is? Sure. Yeah, for, for beauty, it's allowed. Women are allowed. Huh? For women, yeah. I wouldn't do it. But, for but nowhere women. else, right? Only on the... No, you can do it on the nose. On the tongue, if it would be, everybody would do it. I don't know. That's terrible, but I don't know. I don't know. It's probably dangerous. It's probably considered a dangerous thing. I was thinking necklaces and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Mr. Dubik, would you mind to get a little closer? <laughs> Not too close, but just... Take the chair, move it a little there, mm-hmm. or stand right here. So there the woman um, will bring Messiah. The women will bring Moshiach, not the men. At the time of giving the, of the Torah, and, when, and, and then at the time of construction of the tabernacle, and the journey to the land of Israel, led by Moses, the first redeemer, it was specifically the woman, the land of Israel. Contrary to counsel of spies, woman successfully demanded they be given the portion of the land of Israel. As the Talmud, as the Talmud explained, explains regarding the story of the daughter of... Uh, Slofrad. Yes. See, what happened? And how we know that the women loved the land of Israel? The daughters of Slofrad, when they were still in the desert, came to Moses to complain why they are not going to deserve a, 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 a portion in, in Israel. They were not even in Israel. That's, there's still time to go. They were already busy to make sure they're getting a portion in the land of Israel. While the men wanted to go back to Egypt, the women wanted to go to Israel. Here, the Rebbe brings the three things. When they, when, and Mount Sinai, even when going out from Egypt, the women were first. The men in Egypt, that Medrash says, the men did not want to have children. The children were thrown into the river. The men didn't want to have children. The women used to go out to their walking place with a nice meal and beautify themselves, seduce their husbands to have relations with them, and then get pregnant and go back to the city and have children. And the Talmud says, because of the righteousness of the Jewish woman, we had, God said, I had another generation to take out from Egypt. If there is no Jewish children, you know, Jewish day schools and JCCs, it's all nice and fine if there is Jewish children. If there is no Jewish children, there is nothing. All of the infrastructure can go, we can sell it. The most important institution is to have Jewish children. The women wanted to have Jewish children while the men did not want to have in Egypt. That in Egypt, and the same thing in, when they had given, it was Mount Sinai, God told Moses to speak to the women first. They were again the first one to make the right choices. 
by the golden calf, they made their own chase. They wanted to build the temple and they wanted to go to the land of Israel. Throughout the five books of Moses, the women are glorified and celebrated. You look in the Bible and the Talmud is saying always time, always the Talmud gives credit to the women in every story from the Bible. It's really unbelievable. Then people think, oh, women are second-class citizens. It's in Judaism, they are number one. They are more than, and that's why the Jewish law says you have to honor your wife more than, more than your means. And they will bring Moshiach. Go ahead. The same will happen with the women of our generation. They will demand from their husband that they first accept the Torah to study, cheat, teach, and observe it. And then even while they're still in exile outside the land of Israel, they should establish a tabernacle of God and give silver, copper, and all the other materials uh, mentioned in the Torah portion. This will uh, achieve the result that we will soon walk upright to our land with the planning of the time. It says, even before Moshiach comes, the women are always encouraging the men to, do the, to, to connect to Judaism. Think about even in Chabad. See, I have a brother, two brothers. Chabad Rabbi is in China. If your wife doesn't want to go to China, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> you might go to Solon, but not to China. <laughs> in the, all, the all outreach movement of Chabad is built because the Rebbe empowered the women. And they were educated, and they, they wanted more than the husband. I have a nephew. I saw him to this morning. He has a dilemma. He went to, he opened a Chabad in Laos. Laos, for heaven's sake. He's from Israel, his wife is from Israel. And then, during, during the time of COVID, there was nothing there. Then they asked him to go to Thailand, to run a Chabad house in Thailand. Until now, he was in Thailand. Now he has a dilemma, should he go back to Laos or stay in Thailand? You understand the dilemma? Yeah. Thailand or Laos? He's from Israel. He asked me what I think. I don't know, I'm not making this decision for you. <laughs> what I mean to say is this cannot be done if your wife is not all the way on board. And she actually, the women in Chabad want to do it more than the husband because their job is much harder than the husband's. The husband is just a rabbi, he constantly smiles, mazel tov, mazel tov. He's leading the prayers. The women is cooking and cleaning and running the preschool and running the preschool and running the synagogue and talking to the women and everything. As you all know, Miriam is doing works 10 times harder than me, 100 times harder than me. Then that's what the Rebbe said, bringing Moshiach will bring the women, bring Moshiach. Who will bring the world a better place? That's what's going to be up to the woman. And that's why you have to honor her behind your man's. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs>